0: Encouraged, not burdened by the history that they
1: create, they know what is expected of them. They are Manchester United.
0: Welcome, in listeners, to the inaugural episode of the Fergie Fledglings podcast. Uh, you might have known if you follow us on twitter uh the busby bay podcast is no more um sb nation were kind enough to give us back the content that we created for them and uh so we've, we've got all previous episodes uh, this is still on the same stream uh but uh we changed the name we changed the logo um other than that not much is going to change but uh i'm here as always with polly Questel, and uh nathan heinschel couldn't join us today but we've got brent maximin mm-hmm the original investor of this podcast. Uh, Brent, uh, well welcome to episode one again. Uh, how's it going?
1: Podcast is dead. Long live the podcast.
0: Yeah, there we Good go. Good to be back. And Brent, does it bother you that um you know you you, you so kindly you know you got us a, a SoundCloud Pro for us to, to post the podcast before SB nation put us on. Does it, does it bother you now that there are free podcasting platforms?
1: Um, no, because I consider that to be an investment in you, Colin, um, an investment <laughs> that I am, that I am going to collect by. Garnishing. What's your ROI. Yeah. I'm going to garnish your profits for the rest of your life. <laughs> um, and then we just started on SoundCloud here, alongside here. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. we should
2: have, so the problem was that Colin didn't come up with any viral tweets and say, "Just check out my SoundCloud."
0: Uh, look, hey, it, it, it wasn't start. wasn't for lack of trying. <laughs> um. Anyway, so we are we're here to talk about Manchester United. Uh, but first, we're going to lead off the show talking about uh, Polly, an uh, article you wrote this week. Oh, God, um, I love talking about me. Yeah, <laughs> you just love talking.
2: No, that just happens. But I love talking about me. Yeah.
0: And, uh, Brent, I'm sure you have thoughts as well, uh, as, um, indicated by previous tweets on this matter. But, uh, for a third year in a row, Harry Kane is linked with Manchester United, um, a move that would no doubt be expensive, uh, considering Daniel Levy as well as, um, you know, Harry Kane's fame and ability. But, uh, he, he is getting up there in age and, um, you know, some of the proponents of this move have compared this to United signing Robin Van Persie in 2012. Uh, Polly, you kind of wrote about that, not only addressing why that's not a great comparison <laughs> uh, in the first place, but also why this comparison uh, is, is maybe misplaced in certain ways. So if you want to take it away and do a better job explaining than I, I am.
2: Yeah, I, I think Van Persie and Kane were just too... Dramatic, or we're two different players. Van, Pers- Van Persie strikes me more as the person that could really just take something out of nothing and turn it into turn it into a goal. What you look at the season, and I didn't go back. I didn't go back and count all the combinations, but only three outfield players that year didn't have an assist, and they were Chris Smalling, Darren Fletcher, and Nick Powell. The latter two played less than two and a half games. That to me just sums up the fact that they anybody could hit a ball and, and and Van Persie could could make something happen. He takes a lot more shots than Harry Kane. Granted, he played in an era where uh everybody took more shots. But Kane's sort of dropped down in that regard, and he's played a ton, a ton of football that it just doesn't he doesn't strike me as the, the kind of one-guy-fix-all player that Van Persie turned out to be. Um, it's a misguided comparison because Robin Van Persie joined a really freaking good United team. Um, I think we've all kind of blacked out that 2011-2012 season because it it wasn't that fun and it ended terribly. That team won still won 89 points they scored a a crap ton of goals and it was like, Oh, Robin Van Percy will just put them over the top. Like now they're going to get even more goals. And as we've seen, when you don't, when you just sign a striker, that's not particularly how it works. It's sort of like a redistribution of the goals, but that team still had a Ryan Giggs and a Paul skulls on their last legs. A Wayne Rooney, who was, as we now know, starting to just get past it. Um, Michael Carrick's, the best passing midfielder we've had since goals. And we haven't had one better than Carrick since Carrick retired. Um, you, just constant players who could, you, you, like i referenced in the article, we've heard the we heard the story from Rio Ferdinand, how how Fergie sat down with everybody and said, if you can't pass him the ball, you're not going to play because this guy's going to win you the league. And that team had plenty of players that could pass Robin Ben Percy, the ball from anywhere as evidenced by, They all they all found a way to get an assist. And like if you just look through the other seasons, the number of players that don't have assists in a given season is a lot, as it should be, because it's not easy to get those. And this is not the same, this is not the same caliber of team. They don't have the world-class players that are around. There's no Wayne Rooney in this team who can be a strike partner to Van Persie or play right behind Van Persie or drop into midfield and play there uh like bruno fernandez in in the pivot is not a good look for him and you know it it strikes me as something that we just thought of two years ago like oh we're a striker you know two years ago was we just needed to score a few more goals we're a striker away from competing we signed said striker and it very much did not work and the team still has other holes how much resources do they have right now? I feel like United summer is just one of those memes where like they give you 25 players in the five pound, four pound, three pound, two pound, one pound category and say like pick a five aside team for 15 pounds. That's basically what the summer is. It's going to be pick where you want to allocate your resources to fill all your holes. That spending all this money on one player who's 29 just doesn't seem to be to be good. I'm like Van Persie's that United team took a massive step back from 2012 to 2013 and Van Persie kind of just held it all together. The way uh, like Toby Maguire stops that subway train in Spider-Man two, basically kind of just ripping it, (laughs) ripping his muscles apart to keep that, that team together. But a year later, everybody's legs had gone injuries were coming. Van Persie got hurt. And without, van Persie doing a superman they dropped to seventh place and that's just not the way you want to build your team
0: yeah um so reading and editing this article uh made me nostalgic so i revisited uh that season review um and it kind of struck me how many goals they got from other sources as well like patrice ever had two or three headed goals that season johnny evans had like four goals uh Chicharito even had i think his second best season in the United sure with like 20 goals himself. Uh Welbeck and Rooney also had you know areas of contribution. I I really did kind of for, you know forget how good that team was um going into it even without Van Persie cuz th- that transfer kind of went into late August. Um there was still the expectation that Manchester United were going to win the league uh or at least be up there with City. Um And I think you made a good point in your piece that this United team is one that we maybe have gotten a little carried away with, Um, you know, with winning the League Cup. Obviously, seeing trophy ribbons go whoosh again uh, is a good feeling. But uh, this is a team that still has a lot of holes in it, as evidenced by, you know, recent league form. The nil-nil draw at Southampton can be attributed to Casemiro's red card, but the, the way that Casemiro's absence affects this team is very clear over you know the four games he's missed already um and it, even when marcus rashford is on the bench it, it seems like uh those are games where united kind of fiddle around for 60 minutes maybe they don't concede but maybe they do concede a goal and by the, by the time rashford has to come into the game you know it's it's at a point in the final 30 minutes where united absolutely have to score and they're they seem unable to score without Rashford and Casemiro on the pitch.
1: Yeah, I think um, I agree with, uh, you know, most of what uh, Paulie said, comparing Kane to uh, Van Persie. Uh, honestly, I think the the comparison there is mostly superficial, right? You have a, a, one of the best number nines in the league who is at a team who is not challenging for titles, that needs to go to, needs to make the move um, to a club that fits his ambitions. Um, but that's probably where it ends. Um, that, Like Paulie said, that 2012 United team was a team, the core of which had won a title and should have won a title in 2012. Um, and the the physical fallout, uh, fall off that happened two seasons after Hadn't happened yet. So you have a team that's only missing that cutting edge, only missing the tip of that spear. And a player who was carrying an Arsenal team that just wasn't that good. Um, So it was a, a perfect fit. I mean, that's a sort of a, you know, perfect time, perfect player, perfect situation that Kane doesn't really fit. One, Robin Van, obviously, 10 years difference more than 10 years difference the market has changed a lot but van persie had one year left in his the game has changed but <laughs> van persie had one year left in his contract um so you get the best striker in the premier league at a cut price deal you know the kind of money that we, this summer we would spend on a backup right back probably um mm-hmm. So, and that is definitely not the case with Kane. He has three years left on his deal. He's coming from another Champions League Mm -hmm. level team um, and a team that is not minded to sell a team that are notoriously difficult negotiators. So, and the price makes a difference. It's not our money. You know, we may have new owners coming in. Um, but the reality is like this is not happening in a vacuum. Uh, This is happening in a a scenario where United have spent badly and extended players badly over most of the last uh, 10-plus years. So um, we do have to be mindful of that. Last summer, we had the best summer we've had since Alex retired, Um, even given the overpay for Anthony, Lisandro, Casimiro, Malacia all at reasonable fees for their level of quality, all home runs. Ericsson on a free is about the best value for a a free transfer you can get these days. Um, So we can't expect another summer like that. We're going to have to overpay somewhere. Uh, But the amount that we would have to overpay for Harry Kane, if you're talking about £100 million, um, for a player who, look, maybe the best version of this United team we won't see for a, a further year. And as we've seen with players, once they get to that age, when that physical decline hits, it can be sudden. And there's no going back. There's no change your diet, start doing yoga, uh, you know, make some adjustments. Once that physical decline happens and players go from elite to pretty good, that's it. Um, and this is going to be Kane's biggest contract of his career, probably. You know, his highest wages. He's going to want four or five years. We get stuck with that if it doesn't look good in two years. Um, that's going to set back team building significantly. Um, we and it, it, there are not that many elite number nines out there. Um, so we need to get this right, <clears throat> uh, but we also need somebody who's on a who's on the correct timeline. Um, because if we can't, we can barely move on the decent players we have who aren't on huge wages. Um, if that Harry Kane contract starts looking funny in the light, there's no way we you know we're gonna be able to to recoup um what we invested there. And again, not that I care about the money. For all I care, the owners could play double that. But if it's gonna affect the rest of uh the team building, then yeah, it's just not a good look. And also, this is in the context of a player like not a player like specifically Victor Osiman potentially being available for a similar price range. Um, not as good as Kane is at certain things, but one of the most uh one of the best number nines in Europe, probably the best number nine that we can get outside of. You know, the players that are clearly out of our reach. So, if you're going to be spending that money anyway, get somebody that you can get seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years of of elite, the just sub elite service out of rather than somebody that will give you that kind of production for maybe a year or two.
0: But, Brent, yeah, you, have, you have to remember that uh, Harry Kane is a big Tom Brady fan. So, he might already be on the TV12 diet.
1: Oh, my God. More reason <laughs> to stay far from Hurricane.
2: There's and there's there's something we should know is Van Persie never hit the numbers that he hit uh, at Arsenal for United. Like his best statistical season was the year before he came, and then it got a little lower, and then a little lower, and then falling off the cliff. So he was already in decline. We remember him so fondly because he put in such a memorable season. And a lot of that started at the beginning with the, yeah. the hat trick against Southampton when we were two one down and he yeah. scored to tie it and to win it. I think and, he had
0: he had 22 goals by February and he finished the yeah, season most. It was very like front loaded. Yeah.
2: It was very front loaded. They went from in January. They went on like a 10 game run where they won, I think, eight or they want or maybe it was a nine game run. I think they won eight of nine where he didn't score at all. And and then, of course, the hat trick against Villa to seal it. So, it, it, but it was very front loaded. You wouldn't. It, it was also like because it was the end of of Fergie. If it wasn't the end of Fergie, you wouldn't look back on a signing and be like, "We spent all this money on a signing at like where the team blew up two years later, but it, we won a title. It was worth it. Like, like it was. It was all. It was kind of like we knew." I mean, we didn't know it at the time, but we kind of—it's almost as if we did—that this was the end, and we got that one, that last one over the line. Because as Brennan's mentioned, like Casemiro's on the wrong side of thirty, or in in a year or two he will be, and that's a player who relies on a vast physical aspect of his game. Um, Christian Eriksen's on the wrong side of thirty; he already tires after the sixtieth minute. Uh, Bruno Fernandez in two years will be will be thirty. Fred's on the on the wrong side of thirty. The whole team will quickly be at that point where if you sign Harry Kane and and he does start to deteriorate, as Brent said, you're now screwed because you need to blow up everything and and start again. If you sign someone younger, whether it's a Victor Osiman or a Evan Ferguson, and they don't pan out to be elite, they're young enough you can resell them for a decent fee i mean romo okaku we signed at 24 and we were able to get all of our money back because he was young enough to be signed again um no one's signing harry kane if he doesn't pan out at manchester united that it it's a it's a huge detriment to the team going forward if you don't get it completely right and there's enough evidence out there you know people will say why why is everybody so scared of the number 30 and they'll name you all these strikers that that are continuing to score after their 30th birthdays you know the messies ronaldo's Lewandowskis, and they'll they'll point out that Luis suarez was fine they'll name you a bunch of strikers um but other than jamie vardy who didn't start playing until he was 24 you'll notice that none of them play in england which is just a different animal and people will name you English strikers or Premier League strikers that were that continued to score after the age of 30 and you'll notice none of them played in the last they all played 20 years ago it's a different game it's a different animal that two years ago City were quoted the same price for Harry Kane and he very much wanted to move and he tried to push that move through and they said actually you're not worth this money and City are a well run club So we can't sit here and be like, let's be, we should be a well-run club too. And then, oh, we should also sign this player that the well-run clubs are very much like, you you don't see him getting linked anywhere else because it's, everybody knows it's not even realistic for him to go anywhere else. Cause those, those teams are just like, no, thank you for that money. No.
0: And uh, I, I think another thing that needs to be pointed out with just Manchester United's recruitment in general I mean, looking at some of the contracts that are players who are still under contract, Alex Tellas still has another two years on his deal. Eric Bailly still has another two years on his deal, although I think the last one may be a one year option. So next summer he may be leaving. Um, you've got Phil Jones, whose contract is only just now expiring. He was given a four year deal back in 2019, 2020. Um, and then you've got Axel Tuanzebe, whose deal is expiring this summer as well that added with the potential of David De Gea leaving is a lot of wage relief on players that either United need to move on from, or it was a mistake to give them that big of a extension in the first place. And it, it kind of seems like it would be a waste of the opportunity to go ahead and use all of that up on another player who you may be waiting for the contract to take down on four years from now. Because he would he would take like four hundred thousand pounds a week. I mean, his contract to, to join Manchester United, Harry Kane's, would be ridiculous.
2: Right, and not not only that, you're you're you have to renegotiate Marcus Rashford's contract because he hasn't resigned, and next January he's free to talk to other teams. And PSG are, have already publicly very much said we're very interested in him, and Rashford has come out and squashed rumors that he wants five hundred thousand pounds a week. But, you know, you, you're you going to have to make him one of the highest paid players on the team because he deserves that. And there's only so much you can... Uh, and the club will very much try to lean into the, oh, you're a United fan and an Academy boy and we're raising your your wages by X percent or we're doubling or tripling them or whatever. Um, but if Rashford is thinking from a business perspective and from a, his life and career perspective of my earnings are front loaded. Um, You know, when I'm 35 years old, I'm not going to be making the same wages that I, that I'm making at 25. He's going to want to take care of his family and things and not get cheated. And if somebody else is offering him a lot more that could entice him.
1: Yeah. I just, I think also, you know, you, um, none of this happens in a, in a vacuum, like I always say. So if we're looking at a market where Harry Kane is the best available option, you know, you, you have to, you have to go for it, right. You can't, we can't go into another year without, uh, a suitable number nine. Um, or we can't do yet another stop gap, you know, we can't go, all right, let me see if Benzema has one year in him and wants a new challenge, or let me see if Cavani is still alive. Uh, we have to get somebody in who's who's going to be a real uh, actual part of the team for a while. So in that context, I get why Harry Kane would, be, would seem obvious. You know, he wants to win things. Uh, he won't take any time to settle in, Um you know, he fits what, um, you know, Ten Hag likes in uh, in his strikers. Um, but there's another elite option out there. Uh, now, if osman is out of reach and, uh, you know, Harry Kane plays hardball with Spurs, maybe... Um, you know, maybe if we had some kind of leverage, but I don't know, three three years on our contract, that's just, yeah, that doesn't make a, a ton of sense to me, but, given where we are, right? If we were a team where we're like, oh yeah, we are, we're almost there. You know, we had a couple of games where we dropped points because we couldn't finish chances, or Martial being injured uh, disrupted our title charge, but we're not quite almost there. We need... We have a couple more very important pieces to really get us to a title-challenging team. And if we blew our load, both in terms of uh, transfer and wages and in terms of the timeline of the player we're getting, um, on a number nine, and that costs us being able to invest properly in the giant gaping hole um, next to and slightly ahead of uh, Casimiro, for example... Then it's just not a good it's just not a good investment. That's but, that's okay, another here's... thing this
0: summer though is like the timeline for Jude Bellingham is probably now if they want to make a move. The timeline for Frankie de Jong for you know if that is still 10 Hog Sky, which everything indicates it is, that's probably now too, because Barcelona are going to be in a situation where they have to sell. And that could be a potential again. And that's gonna be you know, for Frankie, I think it was like seventy-five million to eighty million. Uh, for Jude, it's going to be one hundred twenty to one hundred thirty if they want to be in that race. It's like that is, if United are going to have a premium transfer, it's probably going to have to be that position. And I think that that uh,
2: Frankie's Frankie's wages are astronomical yeah. as well. That it, it's like a, that's a very dangerous signing for United to make. He's also like twenty-seven, and this is a team that needs to lower their wage bill with with UEFA's stricter rules coming in. But here's the question. Like and Colin kind of just touched on it, but based on what Bremer's saying is, do you need to get a striker this year? And the simple answer that's very easy to see, yes, Anthony Martial not, cannot stay fit. And who else do you got? Well, Weghorst is just a placeholder of nothing. But when you look at the market and what's available and what fits, and as Brent said, there's other needs in this team what I think you really need to do is say, where are we, what, what was the plan and um, where are we trying to get? And if the plan was, I, I don't know what the plan was with, with Eric Tenon, but if, what, if the plan was, we're going to bring in these players year one, year two, we're going to then go to the next step. And by year three, uh, that's when we want to be titled. Challengers, and we like we need to be a ninety-five point team, and that's what you know. We we're going to be a seventy-point team this year, an eighty a team that in the eighties next year, and in year three, we want to have a ninety-five point team. Don't you don't need to? If if the right striker isn't there, you can go another year without it. If you go and say, let's just address all the other options don't get sucked into that at one point this season you were almost in a title race and that it looked feasible because for whatever reason other teams were down and it might take fewer points to, to win the league this year you were close to a title race for nothing more than luck and if you all of a sudden say, well, we were that close this year, we're further along than we, than we thought and we can get there next year. If that wasn't the plan, don't do it because that's how you make mistakes. And that's how you set yourself back even further. So in that regard, if you can address all the other positions, as Colin is saying, Frankie DeJong, Jude Bellingham, midfield, these other areas and wait a year in the striker market, that might mean missing out on Victor Osiman, But um, what's the name? What's uh, Ramos's first name at
0: Benfica?
1: Gonzalo.
2: Gonzalo Ramos, and you've Evan also Ferrer's got Colo
0: Muani coming up too. I mean,
2: and what's what's the uh, what do all these players have in common? You did not know who they were last at this time last year, so I'm pretty confident that in March, April of 2024 there will be a new hot striker on the market that you can pay a lot of money for they may not be as good as harry kane or they may not be as they may not ever hit the highs that harry kane hit they may not be as good as victor Osiman, but if you address all the other needs in your team you might find that hey we just need a we need a new anthony marcial we need an anthony marcial that can stay on the pitch who we don't need a 25 goal scorer we need a guy who scores 15 goals and gets nine assists and unlo- and like helps rashford hit 25 goals in the league uh or helps anthony become someone that scores eight or nine goals rather than three goals and that unlocks the team and i i don't think um it's the end of the world because again if you're not going to compete for the title next year finishing second third fourth doesn't doesn't matter which way you do it. I don't think it's the end of the world to try and run back Martial. I, I, I understand that that is such a ridiculous thing to say because the dude's played like four games this year, and basically getting 15 games out of him would be a miracle. Um using Rashford as a backup striker, signing a a cheap backup striker to begin with, because whether they sign Kane or Osiman or anyone, they still need a backup striker. Um And using Rashford to rotate in there, which would allow Garnacho to play more and allow you know, you've so many, you've sunk so much money into Anthony and Sancho, you need to give them opportunities to get going. That if if you could see Garnacho take a step forward next year, then suddenly, you know, that changes how you want to look at your team. If if Anthony or Sancho figures it out, that changes how you want to look at your team. Um, if, if none of them do, then you're probably more than just a striker away and you've got other problems that I don't think it's the end of the world to not to like go in all the other areas this year and leave striker for the summer after.
1: I, as a long time, um, Marcia FC, you know, our young French Lord and Savior, uh, Fan, I'm out. My 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 stocks are sold. Um, I just you know, really talented player. When it's it, impossible to it,
2: have faith in him, and I'm a huge yeah. Martial fan too. And I don't,
1: yeah, I don't yeah, have faith yeah. in him. Um, I just can't. I I think it would be, it it would be terrible if we went in another season with Martial as a presumptive starter. Um, and I think even if we don't go for Elite, which we're talking about, one of three players. Uh, you know, I don't even think I, I would put Gonzalo Ramos in the same category. But yeah, we're talking about one of three, maybe four players, right? If, we, if we're going for an elite number nine, most of them are going to be in that nine-figure range of um, price, right? At least the two best options are in nine-figure range. And the other two players <clears throat> who are a little bit more uh, unproven Not far below nine figures. So, you know, we're still talking pretty expensive. And even if we were to go get a decent player, right? Not a stopgap, but somebody who could in another year be a good depth option, right? That could legitimately compete for a starting job. Like Weghorst is not somebody who could compete for a starting job, right? Veghorst plays, starts every match because Martial, you know, his legs don't work. So, um, if we want to get somebody who's decent enough to at least you know actually compete, um, even if they're not elite, those players aren't cheap either because uh, there's just not that many number nines out there anymore. Um, and if you're talking about fifty million as a somebody who you know is not the guy and is just going to be a uh somebody who will eventually move you know as a to a backup option in another year when we go try to get the guy then it just makes sense to kind of swing for it it makes more sense to me to just kind of go for it this year anyway um but you know who knows i i, I could also be limited by my lack of imagination like i don't see a lot of um you know, twenty-three to twenty-five-year-old, pretty good uh, number nines who have maybe the potential to be very, very good. Um, I just, I just don't see it in that in that position anyway. I, I don't see a ton of options. Um, whereas we have it, at least one player. Not to get, uh, you know, you shouldn't get overly fixated on specific transfer targets. That's how you end up spending all summer chasing. Frankie de Jong and end up with uh, nobody. Um, But if there is a chance that this is the summer when Ossiman moves, yeah, we should be, we should be all in.
0: I will say too, I've already got a Bohemians shirt, so I'm cool with Evan Ferguson for 50, 60 mil. Um, I, I think at least for the vibes, that would be pretty good.
1: Yeah, that's another, so there's another one, but again, you know, he's, I mean, he's played uh, like he
0: was, 12 Premier League games right <laughs>
1: he was he up. was born yesterday and because yep. he's playing for a top half Premier League team he's still gonna cost upwards of 50 million pounds um and so yeah there's just not a lot of players like get chance on that guy
2: if you can get him for 50 million pounds again like it gives you the opportunity to find out what else you have. And address the other needs, and then find out what else you have in your squad. Because if, if you spend all that money on a striker and and they stay fit and Rashford stays fit, the way Ten Hag rotates his squad, how much is Garnacho going to play? And and then you're 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 left wondering: Can Garnacho handle the grind of a full season and and really take that step forward? And are Sancho and Antony? What if they don't take the step forward? Then it's like, all right, we got this. Striker, But we still uh, and we 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 used we we took the create a five aside team with 15 pounds and we we bought the from the five pound category. We bought striker and you're looking at a midfield that still can't move the ball and, and players that just don't get that creative. And you're like, well, we're under creating for said striker and we don't have money. We have to lower the wage bill because of these UEFA restrictions. It, it's they, they really dug themselves in a huge hole.
0: Yeah. Um I, I will say too um just to kind of close this out. uh I think Casemiro understudy is, is probably a necessity at some point. Uh whether it's it a, a young guy or maybe an older guy who can just come in and kind it, of And it's fill hard that there's, role. there's there's
2: no like, one coming through. Like Kobe yeah. Minu is 17. Uh Zidaneq Ball's I think 18. And it's, maybe those guys are ready next year. Maybe they're ready in two years. Maybe they're ready in five. Like any one of those things is on the table.
0: Yeah. Conrad Limer, he's free this summer. He's the guy Byron want uh, to offload Sabitzer to afford. But, um, you know, we're, we're not the club that guys, gets the guy that they're selling to afford from the other clubs. I kind of butchered that sentence. Anyway, we're going to move on. Uh, Manchester United are back in action this weekend in the Premier League at Newcastle United and they're going without Casemiro and they're playing against uh, Newcastle United midfield that has Bruno Gimoresh. Um kind of at a point too where they need to start picking up points again in the Premier League uh, the draw at Southampton followed uh, a game against Liverpool that we don't need to talk about um, do, do we see McFred again? And do we really feel confident that that can do something for us? Because Marcel Savitzer is coming off an injury with Austria. Casemiro suspended. Christian Eriksen won't be back till later this month. Um, Beyond that, I don't... uh, Unless he's willing to play Kobe Manu, I'm not really sure what our options are.
2: Or do you think he gets creative? It's coming out of breaks where he's gotten creative. Like Luke Shaw, the center back, came out of the World Cup break. Um, Does he do something crazy like go to a back three or something so that you could drop Bruno a little bit deeper and maybe play Sancho as one of those as like a dual 10 where he played for Borussia Dortmund
0: or is it is it time for Luka Shodrich is it time for Luka
1: Shodrich just put just do that Luka Shodrich my god um that's good um yeah I don't know I, I don't know if I see the um the creativity happening. Um they, they would have only had a couple of training sessions, right? Two.
2: Yeah, but um, Luke Shaw got suspended for England, so he could have been back at Carrington last week and gone through a whole week of classroom sessions to be like, here's how to play
1: midfield. I, th- I think he stayed with the England squad though. Uh, what an I- asshole. <laughs> he's just uh he's just ruined that for us. Um yeah, I would guess that we probably just run McFred back again. Um, Red and Sabitzer don't really work. Um, I mean, McTominay and Fred don't really work, but Red and, and Sabitzer also don't work. Um, but that would probably be my guess. Um,
2: Who started the FA Cup match?
1: Fred and Sabitzer, I'm pretty sure. Fred and Fred
0: and Sabitzer. No,
2: it was definitely it was McTominay. I think it was McTominay and yeah. Sabitzer because they didn't get cooking until McTominay came
0: off. The McSabitzer. Yeah.
2: Yes, that's how that's what it was. Fred, like oddly didn't play much. Yeah. Sabitzer and McTominay. And hey, McTominay scored two goals, so he could probably, or he scored four goals in the last week. So he can slot in and play as a defensive midfielder where he will not have the opportunity to score goals. And but hey, he's in good form.
1: Yeah. Um man. Um, the, the
2: amount of McDonald's propaganda that came out this week yeah, was uh, astonishing.
1: I'm not gonna lie. Thinking about thinking about Newcastle and the midfield options has just made me realize that why are we even talking about um a number 9 at all. We just wasted all this time talking about this. We need to be That was my point. <laughs> three midfielders this summer. You're
2: sitting there fixated on like, well, we need this number 9 and I'm kind of like, well, if we can't get the number 9 the ball,
1: it's like we don't have uh, an alternative to Casimiro. We don't have who should be our starting box-to-box midfielder. Um we don't have, you know, Bruno's missed two games and I don't know four years. Um, we don't have really currently uh, a backup to to Bruno. Um, I mean, I think eventually that will be Sancho. Um, but as of at at, at the time of writing, as they say, um, <laughs> we're missing. Uh, we have no depth behind two important players, and another position on the pitch that the current starter is injured and also ultimately should be a backup. So, Jesus, midfield looks grim. Um, I don't know. You know, at the end of the day, all we're doing is, uh, you know, moving around deck chairs on the Titanic here. Whatever midfield setup we put up is going to look like garbage. Um, And we're going to have to score more than Newcastle uh, to win this because I can't see us not conceding Without Casimir in the team. So,
2: and Newcastle don't concede a lot of goals.
1: Yeah. And,
2: and it's, it's utterly imperative to not lose this match. Um, if United lose this match, Newcastle go level with United on points. Tottenham play Monday. Um, and they're one point behind. So, if they win against a bad Everton team, where they just, and Tottenham just sacked their manager. And I don't believe in Tottenham. I don't think they're that good. But if they win that match, they go above us. They have played two more games. But that just puts the pressure on us now to make sure that we win those games in hand, to make sure that we keep winning. Um, Liverpool, I still think, get back in this race. And our our schedule is what only uh, i'm pretty sure we're playing twice a week from now until eternity i don't think there's ever a free midweek and when united are playing twice a week they can drop points to anybody um they get they get very tired very quickly it becomes very like if they lose this match and, and by the way out of all the uh top 4 contenders united have by far the worst goal difference so
1: I will say though, really
2: looked well and clear of a top four race. And if they lose this match, they're, they're going to be back in it.
0: I will say the Newca- Newcastle have not kept a clean sheet since January 21st in the Premier League. Um, they've conceded, sure they,
2: they've been, they've been they've conceded at
0: least one goal, but never more than two. It looks like uh, in the last like seven games. Um,
2: the bad omen is I did get rid of Kieran Trippier on my fantasy team. Yeah. So that might be like a clean sheet and a set piece assist or something that, that now gets triggered. Um, I did add some Brighton players. So, you know, hopefully that means that they don't win games to sneak up on us behind. If you're not win this game and they have had a talent for pulling wins out of their ass this season, um, that, at a certain point, it's like they sort of know you. You, you can't chalk it all up to luck. Um, if they win this game, they're they're probably well and clear of that top four slog race that could happen. And I think if they get a draw, they'll be good enough outside of it. But it is, it's a dicey one. This is a, a huge game, and it would really help if they had Casemiro. But maybe Martial coming back. Helps the attack.
0: Uh, and also, uh, we're not in a situation where we really know if Rashford is fully back yet, um, whether he's going to come off the bench in this game. It seems like he's he's um,
1: he's he fit. Like, Colin. Colin, he's, 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 he, if if
2: if if there was no international break and United had four matches in the last two weeks, uh, he would have started four matches.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I am. Um, yeah, I, I, I mean, we're we're losing touch with second. Um, we should be, you know, pretty comfortable in third, because I I think the uh, handful of teams below us, none of them are very good. But the problem is, there are a lot of them. So, one and probably two of them are going to get their shit together. Um, over the, this, this like final stretch of the season, which is the problem. Um, it's annoying. And most Uh, of them
2: are only playing once a week.
1: Right. That's it. That's why it's annoying because we're the only ones (laughs) playing uh, a game every 45 minutes. Um, whereas everybody seems to have a vacation, um, in between their matches. So, um, Yeah, we need to be careful. Can't really afford to drop points. Uh, It's not the end of the world if we drop points this weekend. Um, But we also need to figure out how to play effectively without Casimiro. And it would be good if we could start figuring that out this weekend. Because that's not something we've necessarily looked great doing ever since he uh, took over the the, uh, starting role after I would argue four, we we four haven't games. figured
2: out we hadn't figured out how to play without Casemiro for years
1: now. Well, yeah.
0: Well, yeah, you know. Um, um I mean, he's going to miss this one. He's going to miss Brentford and Everton are both at Old Trafford. Then we'll have him back for Europa League and then Nottingham Forest after that. Those three Premier League games, Brentford, Everton and Forest, I think are winnable without Casemiro. Um but obviously yeah, it becomes to, way easier Uh, And we saw even in the FA Cup when they rested Casemiro for like 60 minutes against, um, was it Everton or Charlton or both, where, you know, it wasn't really until he came on and took control of things that United were kind of looking comfortable against teams that they should always look comfortable against.
2: I mean, they've played Southampton, who are 20th in the league twice, and they've scored one goal, and most of that was without Casemiro. Some of that was with 10 men, but... Southampton had the better of the chances in both games and are hard done to have only come away with one point.
0: I think Eric Tenog listened to our podcast with Mark, um, uh, where we talked about maybe we can score nine against Southampton and get, get our goal difference back. And uh, then he decided to run Bruno Fernandez out there uh, in a midfield pivot with uh, Jaden Sancho ahead of him. And Casemiro is the only actual holding midfielder. And, you know, half an hour into the game, he gets sent off.
2: Uh, I mean, the crazy thing is he'd been doing that for, he did that against Patisse too. Like that's how he had kind of just started been playing. They've been playing it like this 4-1, 4-1 thing with so much. That's how they played Newcastle in the League Cup final was Fred and Bruno pushed very far forward. Um, It's, it's sort of, it's, I think it's his compromise to having David De Gea in there that he's leaving his center backs so far deep and then he wants his strikers to push up and he wants, in order to get some semblance of an attack, which is really on the shoulders of Marcus Rashford and he's trying to get him some support that he's throwing extra men forward and it just leaves so much space for Casemiro to to cover. that Whenever you he don't have them and you go, okay, well now we need that second midfielder in there, or we need the strikers to not go as high or anything. It changes the entire dynamic and it's stuff that they're not used to.
0: Right. Um. So I, th- I think we need to start wrapping up the podcast here. Um. But, you know, pleasure is always to have you on the pod, Brent. Uh. Did you, do you want to take this opportunity to plug any trade schools
1: for Polly and I? Oh, yeah, uh, finally, the part of the podcast that I was most interested in talking about. um as a man, you shouldn't have a podcast. You shouldn't uh, <laughs> appear in a podcast. you shouldn't speak on a podcast, and you definitely shouldn't host a podcast. We have enough podcasts, especially podcasts talking about Manchester United. what Wait, you need? But to you do, said
2: as a man,
1: I'm sorry, as a person, so uh, so if everybody be.
2: so so you're saying nobody should have a podcast but then we won't no. have enough.
1: No, then we need we already have enough in the uh, But
2: but but a person means everybody should not have this pod, have a podcast. Yes, anymore.
1: we've had uh, podcasts have had their run. We can consign <laughs> them to history. Uh there is now enough existing podcast content that no one ever needs to record another one. We need carpenters, we need plumbers, we need masons. Uh yeah. We need I'll put it
2: the... under consideration if you come to the bar on Sunday.
1: Okay, deal. <laughs> Guys were going to go
0: anyway.
2: No, I was going to go. Brent Brent said he was not. I Brent, was, who, has, was, who has been showing was, up recently, said he was, was not going to show up.
1: I was waffling. But I'll make if, a I, have a, if Sunday... I have a chance to bring you a, a sign-up sheet uh for your uh, CDL exam in person, I'll bring it on Sunday. <laughs>
2: Uh, you can come Sunday, or you can come for the Everton match, but that's next Saturday at seven thirty.
1: I'm gonna come for one of those two. Colin, how are you with, with uh with plumbing? <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: look, I I have experience cutting wood. I have experience chopping wood. I have experience, mm-hmm. uh, you know. Measuring and building things out of wood. I have zero pipe ex- pipe experience plumbing. You've never made pipe. A lot of wood experience.
1: Not much I, wood I experience. have.
0: Uh, when I was 10, I made a lightsaber out of PVC pipe.
1: Just You see, this is why I didn't believe you when you said you had experience <laughs> with carpentry. Because as a child you made a toy lightsaber. Did it light
2: up?
0: Uh no. Uh so I just took the pipe. You're
2: not I... even an electrician. <laughs>
1: <laughs> <laughs> so when you say you made a lightsaber, you mean you were just playing with a, 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 a piece of PVC? No, I
0: didn't make an actual lightsaber. I, <laughs> I wrapped it in, I wrapped it in like uh you know the foam that you put around pipes and then I I taped uh Electric tape over it for the color.
1: Yeah, we're getting you in a trade school. What, co- what um, color was this, this? Is good. This should be the first and last episode of the Fugie fledglings. <laughs> so
0: what
2: color was the lightsaber? Uh,
0: so I had a red one, and then oh,
2: you're a baddie.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I made my friend uh, a Darth Maul like double bladed one, and then I made uh... oh, you
2: made you made for other people too, but none of them didn't light up or anything. <laughs>
0: <laughs> they didn't light up, but you could hit you could hit with them, unlike the ones you could buy at Walmart that did light up.
1: That's so, a freaking stick. Uh, <laughs> yeah, so talk talking through this. What what about them made made them lightsabers? Made them
2: lightsabers.
1: <laughs> um imagination. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm uh check your email. I'm sending you some trade <laughs> school Brent's locations.
2: Brett's got a busy day and now he's gonna be looking up trade schools
0: in Mississippi. Yeah,
1: I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to move some things around. Um, <laughs> we're, we're getting you in a trade school immediately. Um, uh, and, uh, predictions for Sunday? Uh, I was drop. just going to say real
0: quick, uh, Patreon tier one, if you buy a $15 a month, you get a free PVC pipe saber.
1: Jesus, $15 <laughs> a month. <laughs> like You'll also no get money.
2: Nathan's vibes. <laughs> You'll get the yeah. vibe checks from Nathan. <laughs>
1: Are we doing a Patreon? Is that what we're? Uh, I'm saying we because obviously i are gonna. Well,
2: because Brent owns the profits.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. the the Fifteen
0: percent <laughs> of all my profits. Um, I I don't know yet. We are allowed to do one now because uh, we're not associated with SB Nation. Um, oh, we are so. There's it, it okay. was in the contract that I'm not allowed to say bad things about SB Nation. Um,
1: oh, just you I, or anyone or anyone on the podcast.
0: You know, I'm not sure. Um, but let's <laughs> try it guests? out. Let's That's try what... it out.
1: <laughs> I, I certainly <laughs>
0: respect your your opinion, Brent. And, um, can, you, you know, if... Can if, we over,
1: overlay this where uh, you can dub over where I say Vox <laughs> or SB Nation with unnamed media companies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have many friends at SB Nation. Many great people work there. Um,
0: oh, yeah. There's a lot of great people at SB Nation. Um, yeah. None of those people made The decisions. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. So predictions for Sunday. Uh, I'm gonna go one-one at St James's Park.
1: Three-one United.
0: Uh,
2: I was gonna go one-one, but I'm gonna be different, and I'm gonna go nil-nil. No, I can't go nil-nil. Crap, one-one. Crap.
1: Mm, um, Can't keep a clean sheet without Casemiro. The the Cowards prediction. Yeah.
0: Yeah, Polly with the Coward's prediction of 1-1. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thank you, everyone, for listening and continuing to listen to us. Um, we we do not, um, you know, despite the funding uh, being taken from us, we do not obviously do this for money. Um, we do this because we like to talk about Manchester United with each other. So we really appreciate um, anyone who wants to give us an audience for that.